Hello and welcome to this health and well-being podcast created especially for all primary care staff in Greater Manchester. This is an exciting companion to the new primary care excellence work focusing on supporting a culture of health and well-being for all our staff. I'm Lynn Marsland, the GMGP Board Support for HR, and I'm delighted to introduce you to some fantastic guests exploring a range of health and well-being topics. And we'd love it if you got involved too. If you have a subject you'd like us to discuss, drop us an email to the address on the episode page. Today we welcome Shenny Ravji-Smith. Head of System OD, Leadership and Wellbeing at the Greater Manchester Health and Social Care Partnership. Shenny's going to share some great tips on how to look after ourselves while also supporting each other. Shenny, thank you so much for coming along today to share your expertise with us. So what is it that you're noticing at the moment about staff wellbeing? What's changing? So we've got we've got quite an extraordinary kind of activity going on at the moment. So the level of operational demands that are out there, we're still feeling the impacts and the effects of the pandemic. We have pressures on our staffing uh, for all sorts of reasons. We've got colleagues who are perhaps sick. We've got lots of activity going on, which means we have to work in different ways. And that in itself creates lots of impact on the well-being of our staff. So we're paying attention very carefully to the fatigue and the tiredness that our colleagues are feeling. We're in a sustained scenario where doing things differently all the time takes a huge amount of energy. We're paying attention to how we work differently together, really encouraging and supporting our colleagues to think about the wellbeing cultures that we create in the workplace. So this isn't just about us as individuals and the responsibility that we have to pay attention and keep ourselves well. It's about how can we do that and extend that to our colleagues, our peers? And what does that look like in the workplace so we can really start having conversations about good work and how well-being really fits into that? The Greater Manchester Health and Social Care Partnership launched a health and well-being online toolkit this year. What is it? And what was the thinking behind it? Early on in the pandemic, we were having lots of conversations about how to make sure that we could support our staff, make sure that their well-being was forefront in all the operationalised actions that were going on. Previous to this, we'd always had well-being in the workplace, but it'd always been a bit of a nice to have. We hadn't necessarily put it front and centre in making sure that we looked after our staff to help and support them to be at their best. The pandemic highlighted a couple of really key things that we were paying attention to. The first one was that our staff were working very differently in a sustained way, using lots of energy to think about new ways of delivering the services that we provide for our patients, for our residents. The second thing that started to become really apparent was that actually there were some inequities that were appearing across the whole of the health and care workforce. So we had some colleagues who were in organisations or environments where they had occupational health or employee assistance programmes. They might have a wellbeing team. They might have a wobble room that they can go and scream into. And other colleagues had very little. So we started paying attention to that. The third thing that really started to become apparent was actually there was a disparity between about the impact that the pandemic was having on different staff groups as well. 
So the inclusion side of how we provide well-being became a really key question that we were asking ourselves. It wasn't just enough to put some provision in place and then put it out there. We had to pay attention to how were people able to access it. Did shift patterns matter? Did it matter that we had some of our workforce who are now working from home and remotely whilst others were still on the front line? And what did we need to do differently to make sure that everybody got the support and access that they needed? So during that early period, we started to create some support guidance. People were looking for really clear, simple, practical approaches, templates to putting some of this into place. So we started creating some of this material and cascading it across the system, just sharing it out there. So it didn't matter whether you worked in a hospital trust scenario or whether you were in general practice or in community pharmacy or even in one of our care homes, you were able to pick some of this stuff up and really put it into place. About six months down the line, we realised that actually we'd created enough material to create a toolkit itself. So we pulled it all together. We spoke to our colleagues, we asked people what was helpful, what did they need, and we created the Greater Manchester Wellbeing Toolkit. It's broken down into three sections. The first section is about how people look after themselves. Some very good common sense kind of guidance, remembering eat well, sleep well, keep physically fit, look after your mental well-being, have a well-being strategy for yourself understand how you work and what helps get the best out of you and then put that into place and do it on a regular basis. That second section is about how we support those people around us. So whether that be because we're a line manager and we have a team that we look after, whether we're being a kind colleague in looking after our peers, but you could also extend that to people within our work or even home networks as well. So some really great guidance around how to have good wellbeing conversations how to do a check-in, check-out process. We have clinical debriefs that we do on a daily basis. We do technical handovers if we're working in environments where we need to pass information over. We don't do psychological debriefing. We don't talk about how work felt today. We don't talk about what we might take at home that keeps us awake at night, that might impact on our relationships in the home place. So really simple kind of tools like the check-in, check-out are really, really important. So we put some guidance together and people were able to pick that up and put it into practice. And the third section to the toolkit itself is where we've gathered all the links, the support, the guidance that's out there and put it all into one place. I don't think anyone could say that there isn't any wellbeing support out there. In fact, there's perhaps too much. There's a tsunami of work out there. Colleagues who are out there in the system putting up programmes, activities, workshops, supported lines, all sorts of different things. And actually the challenge became how to navigate through all of that. Depending on who your employer might be, meant that you might be able to access certain things. Depending on kind of the opening times of a telephone line, if you're working on a shift system or 24-hour service, all sorts of different things. So we've pulled all of that into one place and we've tried to be as inclusive as possible to think about all the different aspects that people might need support around. You've talked there about the wealth of knowledge that now exists within this toolkit. Tell us briefly about some of the practical tools that we can use to look after ourselves and support others. Oh gosh, where do I start? (laughs) The toolkit itself is a little bit of a treasure trove, to be honest. There's lots of hyperlinks in there and you can kind of go and find lots of tools. So I personally love the buddy guide. I love the idea that actually we've got a way that 
gives us the permissions to connect with another colleague, a peer, on a regular basis, somebody who understands the context of what we experience on a day-to-day basis in the workplace without judgment and just offers a listening ear without having to solve somebody's problems or, or take them on board themselves, but give that psychological safety and that safe space to be able to just go, I get it. And we all know from a human perspective, talking about things makes things that little bit better. The other one that I really like, and we talk a lot about the stress and the anxiety that our colleagues are feeling, we're all feeling with all the change and all the unknown factors, is there's a really lovely tool in there to deal with some of that anxiety, which is what's in your control. And the reason I love it is it's because it's so simple. You need a pen and you need a bit of paper. You draw a circle and then you think about all the things that might be causing some of that anxiety, causing that stress for you and decide whether it's in your gift to be able to do something about or not. And if it is in your gift, put it inside the circle. You have control over it. You're able to take some action to create a change. And if it isn't in your gift, put it outside the circle. And for anyone who's a list maker, you'll know this. The minute you write a list, all of a sudden, it feels so much better that you've written it down. And the act of physically writing it down just helps people feel that you're in control that little bit more and it can help subside some of that anxiety, some of that worry that you're missing a bit of information or you're not quite on top of everything. There's just too much coming towards you. So encouraging people to really organise their thoughts, organise the approaches that they're taking to help manage that wellbeing strategy, to help manage that anxiety that people are feeling on a regular basis. Our colleagues all all over Greater Manchester is another really great tool. absolutely love it. And I've seen it in action and would always encourage people to try it. I think some of the simple things help us to focus because a lot of our health and well-being hinges on the complexity within which we're working. So before, we always had nice activities, nice to have, and then we'd have occupational health. So when something went wrong, we would send an individual somewhere to get treated, to get fixed. The approach that we're taking now is very much a three-pronged approach. So we think very carefully about the prevention. How do we support and help our workforce to be at their best to start off with, to keep them well on a day-to-day basis? The second is the intervention phase. When we can see the impact of our operational activities on a day-to-day basis, making workplaces a little bit more challenging and a little bit harder, we need to step in. We need to make sure that we're providing an environment that continues to support and help people, especially when they're feeling tired or fatigued or just that little bit more challenged. And then the third, of course, which is still incredibly important, is that response. When we know that colleagues need something a little bit more, that we're able to guide them, whether it be to their occupational health, whether it be to our GM Resilience Hub or other support or other providers out there, that we can really clearly create those pathways for people to be able to find that support when they need it. What is there within the toolkit or within your thinking of developing the toolkit that helps leaders and organisations focus on health and wellbeing? So wellbeing is quite a complex thing, but actually some of the solutions are quite simple. If we can crack how we have good wellbeing conversations in the workplace and we really embed active listening into our day-to-day working 
actually, we've gone quite a far way to, to respond to some of the needs. Wellbeing didn't start at the beginning of the pandemic. We already had challenges in our, across our workforce in our workplaces. But what the pandemic has done is it's highlighted some of those challenges and it's really exacerbated some of the things that we need to pay attention to. So actually, if we're talking about silver linings, this has been a great opportunity to really start tackling some of those broader things for our workforce, support for our managers, um, consideration for our front line that perhaps we didn't pay enough attention to. So there are lots of great practical things that we can put into place. Those good conversations that I just mentioned, very early on we heard from managers that actually they wanted to have those conversations but didn't want to say the wrong thing. So we put together a bank of questions based on coaching practice, so they're tried and tested, and we've got that in the toolkit. And you don't have to use it wholesale. What you can do is look at it and pick out the bits that really work for you. Because being authentic in the way that you do things, being your real human self, is quite important. Nobody wants to feel like they're a tick box exercise. And historically, we have had a bit of a culture around that. So we need to unearth some of that practice and really bring the human, compassionate, kind approach to what we do. And that active listening is also incredibly important. We're a workforce of people who fix problems. And sometimes what we need to pay attention to is actually we can't fix people's problems. But what we can do is give them the space to be able to talk through what might be going on. And sometimes that's enough. Just being able to verbalise something, put it out there, share it with a peer or a colleague is enough to make it feel like it's manageable as opposed to unmanageable. So if we can get great conversations going on, if we can improve all of our listening, we can shift some of those workplace behaviours that we see, some of the expectations that we have of each other and create a better working environment. There isn't a starting point where we go, we have a wellbeing challenge and then we'll get to a fix. This is an ongoing commitment that we're encouraging our colleagues to do. Things that we talk a lot about in the workshops that we run that support the toolkit is that we're focused on the individuals and we're focused on the teams in the workplace. But actually, if we don't really fix the workplace cultures, then what we're doing is we're supporting the individual and then sending them back into the environments that are causing the problems in the first place. So by fixing some of the cultures that we have around us, we'll hopefully end up with a little bit more of a sustainable impact. So hence the role of leaders and organisations. I think what I'm hearing from this, Shenny, Whereas the whole topic of health and well-being is extremely complex, some of the best ways of tackling it are through some very simple techniques and tips. And as you say, not necessarily tick lists, but guidelines that, that busy managers and busy individuals can employ to support themselves and support each other. And that's precisely what the toolkit is aimed at providing. Absolutely. It's it's an opportunity to have a bit of a pit stop to stop and think about the how we do things. We're so driven by operational need at the moment, quite rightly, because we, we have lots of challenges around us, that sometimes we forget the humanness in all of this. So there's almost a bit of an anchoring reminder of we're actually all human and we need to be treated like that as well. So what's next for the toolkit then, Shenny? Where's it going in the future? 
We've got lots of exciting developments that are responding to what we're hearing from our colleagues from across the system. So we're doing some work that's focusing on menopause. We know that 80% of our workforce is female and the suggested statistic is that about 30 to 40% of that 80% are going to be perimenopausal or menopausal. So we're focusing on that and we're doing some work around that. So we'll have a section in the toolkit that will be refreshed. The other area that we're focusing on is something that's emerged from some of the data that we're looking at around sickness absence, which is around MSK, how we carry our stress, whether we're sat at our laptops hunching over on a day-to-day basis. So both from a preventative and also from a responsive perspective, we're going to be putting some work into the toolkit. And the final area that we are going to be doing some focus on is around suicide prevention. It's an unfortunate thing that we do need to um, highlight and unfortunately get comfortable with it as well. We've got some great free suicide prevention training that already exists that anyone can access. But we just want to do a little bit of work around motivation and how we can support people when they're feeling a little bit lost and can't quite anchor themselves to see a more outward mindset or outward approach to where we are at the moment. Shenny, that's been really, really helpful and interesting and great to know that we've got a a practical place to go to get some of this support. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much to Shenny Ravjay-Smith from the Greater Manchester Health and Social Care Partnership for sharing those valuable tips and advice. We really hope that you found them helpful. For more information about the Health and Wellbeing Toolkit, head to our show page. And there you can also find out more about the Primary Care Excellence Programme. If you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, there's an email address on there too, and we'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to this series via your favourite podcast provider so you don't miss an episode. And remember to tell your colleagues so they don't miss it either. This is a Fresh Air production. Look forward to speaking to you soon. Music